Welcome, ladies, to the Blue Stocking Baptist Podcast. My name is Hannah, and I'm here with my co-host, Esther. In our last episode, we discussed what the gospel is, and in the episode before that, we discussed what our standard is. We're building on our previous episodes, and today we'll be talking about what discernment is. Discernment is the ability to obtain sharp perception or the ability to judge. In an excerpt from In Christ Alone by Sinclair Ferguson, he says, true discernment means not only distinguishing the right from the wrong, it means discerning the primary from the secondary, the essential from the indifferent, and the permanent from the transient. And yes, it means distinguishing between the good and the better, and even between the better and the best. Hannah Anderson, in her new book, All That's Good, Recovering the Lost Art of Discernment, on page 13, says that discernment simply means developing a taste for what's good. It's developing an instinct for quality, a refined sensibility, an eye for value, to know the difference between what's good and what's not in order to partake in the good. So discernment is such an important topic because the Christian market is saturated with false teaching, heresy, watered-down gospels, prosperity gospels, false views on the gifts, improper views of roles, and the list goes on. Books, blogs, podcasts directed towards Christian women tend to be full of flowery, monogrammed verses taken out of context with an emphasis on self and how to make ourselves happy. Women are marketed the idea that theology is not as important as our relationship with Jesus, so we're not encouraged to study scripture, and as a result, we're deceived by charlatans who prey on our lack of discernment and attempt to lead us astray with their charismatic and fun personalities. When we do not exercise discernment, we could be believing a host of errors without even knowing it. The good news is that discernment is something that we can all grow in. At times, it can be difficult, but in order to hold fast to the good that God has given us in his word, we need to be on constant guard asking, this sounds true, but is it true? James 1 tells us to ask for wisdom. The way we do this is explained all throughout scripture. So Esther's going to start by reading some verses to guide the discussion and to help show what the Bible says about discernment and how we can apply it in our lives. In our first episode, we discussed why the Bible is our standard. We mentioned that in Hebrews 4.12, we are told that the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the divisions of the soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So our standard of discernment that we're going to use is scripture. So we're going to look at how scripture instructs us in discernment. The first verse that we're going to look at is 1 Corinthians 2.14. And it says, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So we need the Holy Spirit to be discerning. The Holy Spirit makes known the divine mysteries of God to his church. He reveals to us true wisdom. Discernment is really wisdom put to practice and at work. The sanctified mind discerns the real beauties of the holiness of God. In scripture, the mind of Christ and the mind of God in Christ are fully made known to us. This is a great privilege. Our second verse is 1 John 4, 1. It says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. So an example of this 
from the Old Testament that we can see is um, in Jeremiah 23 and 29, where God warns his people through Jeremiah not to believe the prophets who deceive and make prophecies about worldly comforts. To test the spirits, we must be well acquainted with the scriptures and grow a humble dependence on the Holy Spirit, who speaks through the word of God so that we can spot the difference between biblical truth and what is contrary to it. This is how we determine who is teaching error and who is in need of rebuke. So the next verse that we're going to read is Colossians 2.8. It says, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. So false teachers speak according to human reasoning, and they do not offend the flesh of the world. Mankind clings to those who reaffirm their own selfish ambitions and tastes. Man's philosophy is vain and deceitful. It pleases man. Those who are following the course of this world are turned off at the idea of following Christ. Esther, do you maybe have an example that you want to share? Yeah. So an example that we could look to is like a naturalistic worldview, which is like looking at things through the scope of science alone or, or what's said to be good science and really relying on theory. Yeah. So it would... You could say that their standard would be what the science community deems as trustworthy, what's observable, what can be proven, what can be seen. Um, so things like God would be rejected because you can't prove God, as they would say, from, a, from, a, from their worldview, because everything in their perspective needs to be measured and tested. Um, and what you can see is what is true, or what you can test is what is true. Mm -hmm. So that would be an example. Uh, Another one could be like um, some religions focus on not what, obviously what, not what Christ did, but what you can do to earn, you know, you know, we like to work for a living, especially like in, in the, in the United States, we sort of have the mentality that you have to earn your keep. So they kind of, oh, many other religions, um, this that basically the system is you do enough you know good to outweigh your bad and that kind of that that glorifies our egos because then we become you know society becomes the the measurement of goodness or what is what is right yeah and even today i was actually watching a video um that was made by missionary organization talking about false religions and there was a video on buddhism and i found it really interesting that they were talking about how in this life you earn enough merit you do enough right to please um basically the god the universe whoever it is that you're trying to please um, I don't know a whole bunch about Buddhism, so this is just me going off this video, <laughs> but it talked a lot about um, how your goal in life, and it might take several lifetimes, is to reach a state of enlightenment, Enlightenment, yeah, mm -hmm. to reach nirvana, and so you do that by your own merits and by your own striving Whereas Christianity would teach that it's not by works, but rather we turn to Christ, like Colossians is talking about. It's not according to the world, according to tradition or philosophy, but according to Christ. And so the Bible teaches us what is according to Christ, and that's right. his death and resurrection and us putting our faith in his accomplished work on the cross. 
Right. So really Colossians 2.8 is really warning us to stay away from that kind of human tradition. Yeah. Any, any worldview that's not a Christian worldview is one that needs to be rejected. Right. All right. And another verse that we have is John 7.24. It says, do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. So we said earlier that to have discernment is to have the ability to judge. Here, Jesus instructs his disciples to judge with the right judgment and not by appearance. This means that instead of judging with a spirit of condemnation, we do it with an attitude of love and concern towards others. I also want to share a clip by R.C. Sproul. He kind of talks about the difference between being judgmental and exercising discernment. It's just a short clip that we want to play. Jesus was the most loving person ever lived and would say, neither do I condemn you, go and sin no more. Now, he did not judge in the condemnatory sense, but he certainly made a judgment of discernment. And that's where we get confused. When the Bible t tells us not to be judgmental, it means we're not to have a spirit of condemnation towards fallen people. We're to love them, be concerned for them, pray for them, all of that but we're still supposed to have discernment to be able to distinguish between what is righteous and what is unrighteous. Yeah, so in that clip, he really just talks about how discernment is the practice of judging between right and wrong. And so a lot of times in our society, you hear a lot of, you can't judge me, only God can judge me, or you hear people say, you're judging me, we're called not to judge and they take scripture out of context where we are told to judge with right judgment. And so what does that look like? And that a lot of that has to do with using wisdom and applying discernment in situations to say, okay, this sounds true, but is it true? Or this sounds a little bit off. How do I protect myself from this teaching since it does seem off? And so judging rightly is, is a biblical thing that we're supposed to do and it's applying discernment. So there's a quote by John Calvin where a dog barks when his master is attacked. I would be a coward if I saw God's truth attacked and yet would remain silent. And so we as Christians are called to speak up when we see false teaching, when we see things that are not true and um, it's applying wisdom in those situations to combat false teaching. So as we continue reading some more verses, we have Hebrews 5, 11 through 14. This verse demonstrates that as we grow in maturity, we need solid food. So to grow in discernment, one must be trained by constant practice to be able to make distinctions between good and bad. So the verse says, about this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So I have a quote by Jen Wilkin. She says, it is not coincidental that a lack of discernment and a neglected Bible are so often found in company. So this verse does tell us that we need to be trained by constant practice, constantly going back to scripture, reading and applying what it says, 
and the word illuminates truth as well as falsehood so that we can be equipped to judge rightly. So next we're going to read some Proverbs. Proverbs 15, 14 says, The heart of him who has understanding seeks knowledge, but the mouth of fools feed on folly. 21 says, Folly is a joy to him who lacks sense, but a man of understanding walks straight ahead. And 18.15 says, An intelligent heart acquires knowledge, and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. All these things are showing and warning that a lack of discernment can lead to folly. I also have Proverbs Proverbs 14.15. It says, The naive believes everything, but the sensible man watches his steps. These verses show us not to be naive or one who neglects wisdom and the scriptures, but, but to be mature, watching our every step. If we aren't careful, we will become fools and stumble in the dark. This shows why it is important to know what you believe and why this protects you from false teaching. I recently had an incident with someone who I considered a friend. I wasn't testing everything as I should, and as a result, I was allowing my mind to be influenced by falsehood instead of scripture. Friends, family, and believers who we trust and believe are sound are not good sources to determine what's true, honorable, and pure. The Bible is our guide for making good choices and determining truth from lie, as well as knowing the difference between the good and the better. So we must always be on guard, always test claims made by other believers. We need to be watchful, listen to words intently, and listen before we speak. This also does not mean that we live the Christian life in an isolated bubble. The body is so valuable in helping us grow, and if we have questions, we should go to our elders. Don't just trust a private interpretation that you read online, but get a good commentary such as the Matthew Henry commentaries, the Reformation Study Bible, or even a John MacArthur Study Bible. Talk to your pastor about things you read online if it's not something you've been taught, and ultimately cling to scripture because it is your standard and it is the ultimate authority in all things. Um, Esther, do you want to add anything to that? Yeah, I think a really good example of what, Hannah, you just described is found in, in, Acts, in, in Acts 17. 10 and 11. It's where the, the Bereans examine the scriptures. I'm just going to read that real quick. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. So the, these were um, very scholarly Jews who were taking, you know, what Paul and Silas were teaching and comparing it to scripture to see if it was so. So even whenever we get, you know, counsel from, um, uh, you know, other Christians around us, you know, leaders in our church, we all, you know, the, the, I think the correct response to that, the biblical response to that is to examine the scriptures for ourselves. Um, I, I think, I think that's, that's biblical. Yeah, I totally agree. We really want to emphasize why it's important to be good Bereans and study what the scriptures say for ourselves. But we also don't want anyone to think that we're saying it's okay to be a solo Christian going through life with just your Bible in hand, because that can also lead to false, false beliefs, false teachings, um, because now you're, you're, you're isolated from the rest of church history, and um, you also need 
to see what other believers have always held on some, some subjects and right. um, building off of that, we don't just want to seek out things that just confirm what we believe, but we want to test everything. And if we do find ourselves to be in the wrong, we need to repent in humility and conform ourselves to scripture. We must have a teachable spirit and we need to be watchful that we're not proud or arrogant to think that we know everything because we are not the first Christians. There are godly saints before us and um, our pastors are great resources for us to go to and ask questions if we are struggling with an interpretation or struggling with what the text says. Um, we have another verse, Psalms 119, 125. It says to ask the Lord for understanding. I am your servant. Give me understanding that I may know your testimonies. So now that we've kind of read all these verses, we kind of want to talk about what this looks like practically speaking. All of our episodes we want to kind of reference back to the previous one. And so our last episode was on what the gospel is. So there are many, many false gospels out there. And we want to give an example of the prosperity gospel and how we test how something is not biblical. Esther, do you kind of want to explain that? Yeah, sure. The so the the pros like to summarize with the prosperity gospel if you're not familiar with it is that um well first the gospel is who jesus is who christ is and what he's done what he's accomplished that's the gospel um the death burial and resurrection of christ that's it when you start adding things to it you start getting you you start moving away from the true gospel um what the prosperity gospel teaches is that um the the basically the purpose of god his his purpose is to make you healthy wealthy healthy prosperous wealthy, and pros yeah healthy wealthy and prosperous and that's really you know kind of going back to the human philosophy and human tradition that kind of is the is the goal of you know all other religions is you know human glorification um, and not so much glorification of God and just prosperity gospel. I think some, some scripture that I can think of, you know, off the top of my head of them twisting would be, um, of course, like anytime you try and examine their teachings, they're going to come at you with the judge, not lest he be judged. That is definitely one that they, they come up with, you know, come to you with when you try and bring any kind of correction. Um, they'll twist uh, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. For I know I have the or for for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord plans to prosper you plans I think it says to keep you um, to give you a hope in a future. That's very paraphrased, but that's what Esther's talking about. Yes, yes, like they strip it completely out of context. You know, the out of the immediate context and try and put themselves in the in in that story and just get it completely wrong. And you know, my 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 nudge to you know friends who do believe that and trying to apply that is like you know what happens whenever someone's when a faithful Christian is not prosperous. Or you could look at the lives of you know the apostles. Mm -hmm. Most of them, their lives ended in martyrdom. Like yeah. they, they were not, you know, just lived a healthy, wealthy, blessed life. They faced persecution. That is what, you know, Christ promised his, his church that, that they would be, you know, sanctified through, um, through the trials. washing of the word. Yeah. And through trials and hardships, that would be the mark of a Christian, not 
prosperity. And many times that I think we quoted it earlier uh, in, in Jeremiah where God through the prophet Jeremiah, the prophets that he was warning them against were giving prophecies that there would be no harm to the people. And that was completely contrary to the message that God had truly given Israel. So. Yeah. And so the thing with it is that like prosperity gospel, it sounds nice and they do use scripture to make a case for what they're presenting. And so it can be very difficult to discern, is this true or is this false? And so we need to go to scripture and really test to see what does the Bible actually teach about the gospel. And so if you, if you hadn't heard last our last episode, go back to it if you don't know what the gospel is. But if you do know what the gospel is, you know that it is Jesus Christ's death and resurrection and that we are saved by grace through faith and that we are reconciled to God through that. That is the heart of the gospel message. And in that we are, um, we now do good works, but the prosperity gospel is so counter to that because it's telling you come to Jesus so that you can have these good things instead of telling you what the gospel says, come to Jesus so that you can be cleansed of your sin and reconciled to God. And so it's, and that's another thing with false gospels is that the language tends to be cloaked in Christian language. Um, Mm -hmm. the Mormons do this many different, um, false strains of even Christianity do this where they, they, they borrow language and they, they twist words and they change meanings so that you have to be very discerning. And like I said, listen very carefully to what's being said, because something at face value could sound true, but it could be completely false and maybe even heresy if you're not careful. I Um, I always think of, I don't know if you've seen it on the internet, but there's like a picture of a note card and it says, um, it's, it's a quote from Satan, but it's like all written flowerty. And yeah. it's like, it's like, that's, that is not, that is like, not good. It's, it's scripture completely removed from its context, <laughs> trying to apply it to your daily life. Like this is good, but really it wasn't even the words of anything yeah. that you yeah. should be living by. <laughs> um, so yeah, we, we hope that this kind of gave a robust understanding of what discernment is and how we apply it and how we get it. We ask God for it. The Proverbs are filled with that of telling us how to, how we become wise. Um, and the story of even King Solomon asking for discernment. I mean, the Bible is just filled with this language. And so if we want to grow in discernment, we need to be in the Bible and we need to be reading it so that we know how to live our life. Yeah. So really everything that we want you to see from this episode is that if it's not from scripture and it is not the gospel, then it is not truth and we need to discard it and it is falsehood. So, and this applies to everything in life. This episode, we really are just more focusing on how to discern truth from error, not so much how to make decisions. There is another aspect of discernment of how to discern the will of God Um, which that's more of a different topic that we didn't really touch on in this episode, because there is also applying discernment to, do I go to Michigan or do I go to Minnesota for my new job? Um, Or do I buy this car or do I live here? Whatever it may be, practical choices in life, making practical decisions in life. Um, That's another aspect of applying wisdom to our lives to make good choices. Um, But this episode, we want to more just focus on if it's not from scripture and it's not the gospel, then it is not truth. And therefore we don't conform our lives to it. So, right. Right. So like our, 
our podcast purpose is not to tell you who to listen to or who not to listen to, but to equip, you know, you guys to be able to discern what counterfeit doctrine or, you know, biblical teaching looks like and to be on, you know, to help you look out for that and, you know, arm yourselves to, um, to use that. discernment, <laughs> to use discernment. Yes. <laughs> All right. So if you enjoyed this episode, please like, share, leave us a comment, and uh, please feel free to subscribe to our podcast so that you can be alerted when we release a new podcast. Yes. And we thank you guys for joining us on our third episode. We hope that you enjoy it. We're going to end with 2 Timothy 3.16, which says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. God bless you guys, and thank you so much for joining us. We hope you join us next time.